Actually, let me cut that. Fuck. Hello and welcome to Explanation of Benefits. I'm your host, Dylan Bickers. Today, I'll be diving into why you should avoid the emergency room. Well, I hinted at this a bit. Whoops. Hello and welcome to Explanation of Benefits. I'm your host, Dylan Bickers. Today, I'll be diving into why you should avoid the emergency room. While I hinted at this as a bit of a joke at the end of the last episode, I think the topics I discuss here will help a lot of people out there. Let's start with the cost. The average ER visit can cost upwards of $1,000. Depending on the network status of the provider or providers that see you, it can cost much more. This cost is, of course, justifiable in three instances. Danger to life, limb, or eyesight. If it doesn't fit those three criteria, don't go to the ER. One huge reason to avoid the ER is the network status of the providers at the facility. While the emergency room itself may be in your network of providers, the doctors, physician assistants, and nurses many times are not. This can significantly affect your cost out of pocket, considering the fact that you can be balanced billed by the doctors because they don't have to abide by your network's contracted discount. Any provider that visits you, no matter how long that visit is, can bill you. So you can potentially be visited by three to four different out-of-network providers, all of whom can balance bill you. Another reason to avoid the ER is that in most cases that don't involve risk to life, limb, or eyesight, you're going to get very little care. The essential function of an emergency room is triage and dealing with patients as quickly as possible. Providers are burdened with heavy caseloads and will not spend the time treating you for a non-emergent condition. If I hadn't already mentioned, non-emergent conditions are typically paid at a lower rate in most private plans. On most of the plans I perform medical management for, the coverage for non-emergent care is covered either at 50% after deductible, or it isn't covered at all. Ideally, you're getting the picture of the high cost, low benefit floor and ceiling of ER visits. Next thing I want to address are some potential alternatives. There are a few other options available that won't cost an arm and a leg, which once again would be the only good time to go to the ER. The first one I want to talk about is the classic urgent care facility. Oftentimes, visit to the UC will be covered either by low copay or will be covered um, at the in-network co-insurance amount once you meet your deductible. You, uh, urgent care facilities are a great option if you can't get an appointment with your primary care provider right away or you're traveling somewhere that you can't access those services typically. The second option is a PCP office visit. If you think, for instance, you might have strep throat, but you're not 100% sure, you can make an appointment with your provider just to, well, make sure. Again, PCP sick office visits will most often be covered with either a low copay or with the in-network co-insurance once your deductible is met. This is potentially the most time-consuming option, so I wouldn't recommend it if you think the situation is serious, just not deathly serious. A major benefit to going to your primary care provider is that they serve kind of as your medical home. They can keep track of your medical conditions and potentially piece together symptoms 
over time that other providers are going to miss. Finally, the last alternative is telemedicine. If your plan has this as an option, I highly recommend it. Telemedicine is a service that brings the doctor to you, either over the phone or a video conference. This is perfect in cases where you can't wait to see your primary care doctor and it's possibly late in the evening and the nearest in-network urgent care facilities are closed. Telemedicine gives you 24 by 7 access to providers for acute conditions and they're also, again, usually very low cost. Um, when I worked for Quantum, um, the company that I did the medical management for a few healthcare plans for, um, we had access to um, this company called Teladoc. And um, essentially, you enroll in the system um, and call out, and a provider will reach out to you either by uh, phone call, FaceTime, Skype, um, any of those, and you can either describe or show the doctor the conditions and sort of explain your symptoms. And in most cases, um, with the exception of some states like California, um, if you need a medication or antibiotics or something similar to that, they can actually prescribe over the phone and have it sent to your local pharmacy. Um, now, I want to get back towards the topic of balanced billing. I, I initially thought about making that its own episode in and of itself, but um, essentially it's not really, um, there's not as much as I thought there would be to discuss. But imagine it like this. So you have an in-network deductible of $200 um, and an in-network out-of-pocket max of $5,000. Um, Co-insurance is 70-30. Uh, so once you meet that $200, the plan is paying 70% of the uh, um, allowed amount for in-network services, and you pay that 30%. Um, anything that the doctor bills above the allowed amount is written off due to the network discount. Now, for the example of the out-of-network provider, say you have an out-of-network deductible of $500 and an out-of-network out-of-pocket max of $8,000. So you'd have to receive $500 of um, care out-of-pocket to meet that deductible. But the only thing that applies to that deductible is the allowable amount. Um, so say uh, the allowable amount is based on usual and customary, which is based on either Medicare standard rate or um, what is actually usual and customary to be charged at that um, geographic area for that service. So a nurse visits you for an ER visit, um, sees you for a couple of minutes and leaves. Um, you get a bill for $1,000. 200 of that was the allowed amount per usual and customary. Um, so 200 is applied towards that $500 deductible. Um, everything else that was billed is now your financial responsibility due to balance billing. Um, 
imagine that you meet the out-of-network deductible. Um, same situation. Um, doctor charges you $1,000 for services where usual and customary will only cover or should only be $200 that would be paid. Um, the plan pays, um, let's go with the same um, um, deductible in a, or the same um, uh, co-insurance rates, so 70-30. Um, so the plan pays 70% of that 200 because it's the usual and customary and you're responsible for 30% plus everything that's left over. So again, strongly, strongly, strongly recommend against going to um, the emergency room if you're not at serious risk of dying, losing a limb or a digit, or becoming um, blind. If you have questions for me about the show, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dylan Bickers. Um, you can also email me with questions for the show at eobpod at gmail.com. That's E's in every, O's in other, B's in benefits. I almost plugged my other podcast for a second there. Whoops! Um, pod at gmail.com. And yeah. Again, if you like what I'm doing, or if you learned something today, or um, you like me as a person, I'd super appreciate it if you would share um, this podcast with your friends, coworkers, family, people who you think might benefit from the knowledge, and um, give us a review on iTunes and maybe drop us a few stars. Um, I hope that uh, what I'm doing is helping people um, because I really just can't stand people continuing to get fucked over by the private health insurance, knowing that there's knowledge I can give others to help them get a little bit less fucked. I'm providing you lube, essentially. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, and um, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Mm-hmm.